Well, hey there, everyone. I'm Daniel Hahn, and I'm the online campus pastor here at Oxford Assembly of God Church, and this is our podcast. And I just want to thank you for listening today. We hope the message you're about to hear inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you see that God has a purpose for your life. And now, let's get into the message. Today, I want to share with you the thought, the greatest calling. And I've got to tell you that as I worked on this message, the message that I'm presenting this morning, the one that I started with, is not the same one. <laughs> it kind of evolved as I went. I had to make some adjustments in my thinking. Any of you have to do that? Make some adjustments. Now, I'm not talking about like my dad. He had an attitude adjustment for us. But we have to adjust our thinking because I was asking the question, I thought I had the answer. What is the greatest calling? Many of you have heard me say that there are people that will say, there's no greater calling than a missionary. And I can't argue with that. That's a great calling. Or even as a preacher or pastor, there's no greater calling than a pastor. And I have to agree with that. Sometimes for me personally, I think maybe one of the greatest callings is for someone that's called to be a prayer warrior. Because they get no recognition, no honor. But I can tell you without them, where would we be? Yeah. Greatest calling. But if you've listened to me preach over the years, you've probably heard me say that there's no greater calling than the calling that God has called you to. That's the greatest calling for you because that's your calling. If he's called you to be a housewife, and I tell you, housewives in our society, it seems like people say, well, they're nothing but a housewife. There's nothing greater than being a housewife, being a mother. A greater calling couldn't be. Then he's called people to be mechanics, singers, worshipers. All of them could be the greatest calling. The greatest grandparent. Now I know we don't have to worry about the greatest grandkids because all of us have got the greatest grandkids. <laughs> but since I said there's no greater calling than the calling that God has called you with, I have to stand by that so I can't say that I was wrong. What is the greatest calling? What is the greatest calling? I want us to look a little bit closer at that and see if you can come to grips with it. There are dozens, even hundreds of examples in the Bible. I think immediately of David. David would have had an excellent resume in any generation. I said, David would have had a great rich resume. Now, and we know that, hey, I can make a great resume because on our resumes, we don't put in the bad parts. So David would not have said, I'm a murderer or an adulterer or a liar. He said, I'm a musician. I'm a songwriter. I'm a shepherd. 
I'm a general. He could even said he was a king. But maybe the greatest calling that David had was a man after God's own heart. Great calling. But the man that caught my attention when I was starting this message was a man that's very familiar in the Bible by the name of Moses. What a list Moses could have compiled. What a resume. He could have said, I'm a prophet. Could have said, I'm a writer. And I know some said, wait a minute, Moses didn't write anything. Nothing but the first five books of the Bible. He was a writer. He was highly educated. Probably equivalent to a doctorate in his day. The book of Acts tells us that Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in his words and deeds. He was a leader. He was a king's kid. He even talked with God. Now I say, you say, well, I talked with God. Yeah, but person to person. Wasn't long distance. He talked with God. What a resume. What does it say in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 about David? I mean, excuse me, about Moses. Moses, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, just because maybe you didn't know, but Pharaoh was equivalent to the king. And he was a, Moses was adopted by the king's daughter. So he could say, my granddad's king. Or Pharaoh. He chose rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch him. By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on a dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. What a resume. How awesome was that resume or that, that, that Moses had? What a man. Yet look and see what the Bible called him. In Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 1. Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pesgah, which is opposite Jericho. In other words, right across the river. Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land. Gilead as far as Dan. All Naphtali. The land of Ephraim and Manasseh. All the land of Judah as far as the western sea. The Negev and the plain. 
That is the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees as far as Zor. And the Lord said, this is the land of which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to your offspring. I've let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. Now look what he was called. So Moses, the general. No. Moses, the writer. Nope. Moses, the king's kid. Nope. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died. The servant of the Lord. So I had to ask myself the question, could this be the greatest, the greatest calling to be the servant of the Lord? We know that much is said in the Bible about serving the Lord. We know that it talks about serving God. You've even heard me say that I really don't look for volunteers. Volunteers are quit on you. But a servant is there. So it's being a servant the greatest cause. But sometimes... The most dedicated servant, we forget our position. We forget who we are serving. Because when we are serving people, we are serving God. Jesus said it this way, the book of Matthew chapter 24, verse 45 and 46. Who, who then is the faithful and wise servant? Whom his master set over his household to give them their food at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whose master will find so doing when he comes. So he said, the greatest thing you can be doing is serving when he comes. If you flip over to the next page in chapter 25 and uh, verse 34, it says this. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when do we see you as a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when do we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly, I say to you. As you did it to the one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it for me. A servant. Moses was a servant of the Lord. And Moses certainly fulfilled Micah chapter 6 verse 8 where he says, He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. The Bible tells us that Moses was one of the most humble men that had ever lived. But he wasn't perfect. He wasn't perfect. You say, well, why wasn't he perfect? Because he was human. And I know my wife thinks I'm the 13th disciple. 
Just kidding. But the reality is none of us are perfect. I said none of us are perfect. He was human. And we know that he did not get to go into the promised land. Why was that? Why was that? Numbers chapter 20 verse 2 says this. Now there was no water for the congregation and they assembled themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. Drop down to verse 7. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, take the staff and assemble the congregation, you and Aaron your brother, and tell the rock before their eyes to yield its water. So you shall bring water out of the rock for them and give drink to the congregation and their cattle. And Moses took the staff from before the Lord as he commanded him. Then Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock, and he said to them, Here now, you rebels, shall we bring water for you out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock with his staff twice, and water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank and their livestock. And the Lord said to Moses, and Aaron, because you did not believe in me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I've given them. These are the waters of Meribah where the people of Israel quarreled with the Lord and through them he showed himself holy. Now that's a pretty strong statement that, that water came out of the rock. But he said, because you struck the rock, instead of speaking to the rock, you're not going to get to go into the promised land. Some would say, well, that was quite drastic. It was quite drastic. But what was the issue? Well, the issue was he deliberately disobeyed God. He deliberately disobeyed God, and you say, well, we've all done that. That's true. Probably most of us, if not all of us, have somewhere in our life disobeyed God. So what was the big magnitude of this? I think we have to understand the magnitude of what was going on. They were where? They were in the desert. There was no land, uh, no water. I mean, no water. And so when we talk about watering up to three to five million people and all their cattle and sheep, we're not talking about a water hose. We're talking about a river. We're talking about a torrent of water that came out of the rock. Now the issue, I believe, was probably this, that for a few moments... few moments Moses forgot who he was serving he got off into what we would say is the flesh now I know some of you say well this is Old Testament I, I tell you New Testament the Bible says that as we if we walk in the spirit we shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh but how many knows that sometimes when you're walking in Walmart, you're in the spirit. But when you come out, you might be in the flesh. 
Why? Because things didn't go good. And I'm going to tell you, as a pastor, I can understand why he was upset. And I know you probably don't believe this, but just because you're a minister doesn't mean that you're perfect. The spirit, the spirit of slap comes over preachers too. Most of the time we're able to handle it, Jeff. But still, the, the spirit of slap comes over us. And I kind of think that's what happened to, to Moses. He forgot for a few moments that he wasn't in charge. And I believe the big issue was is that whenever God says, I want you to speak to the rock, let him know that I'm providing the water. But by striking that rock and it broke apart, who did it look like did the miracle? It infringed on the glory of God. I said it infringed. And the Bible is quite clear in Isaiah that he will share his gold, but he's not going to share his glory. So that was the, the big issue. I think that probably for a few moments he forgot that he was a servant. Now let me just point out a couple of things to you about a servant. Over in the book of Malachi, which is the last chapter or the last book in the Old Testament, and that is actually correct. It was probably the last one written except possibly Esther, because Esther was later almost at the end of the book as well. But the last book that we have recorded in the Old Testament is Malachi. And in the third chapter of Malachi, it says this, verse 16. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. Hey, how many think you, wouldn't you like to be in the book of remembrance? I think that's pretty good. He wrote the book of remembrance of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasured possession, and I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. Then, once more, you will see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. So we see this term servant and, and possibly the term servant disturbs some because we think of maybe the similarity of a slave when we know that derogation. But let's change that term servant to just worker. Just a worker. Let me ask you, have you ever been blessed to work for a company that does nothing but good. Now, Gator, you've got a good boss. I think it's a good company. But reality, he's in it to make money. I work for Publix, one of the greatest companies to work for. Worked for them two different times. Great company. But I can tell you, if they didn't make money, they'd have closed the doors. So they were not in it just to provide groceries for somebody. They were in it to make money. But the God that we serve is in it to do nothing but good. The bottom line doesn't bother him because he's got it all. Nothing but good. How many of you have ever served a boss that's never made a mistake? Hmm? Now, I know staff, you can go ahead and say that. 
man, I have. No. We've all made mistakes. But how many knows that God's never made a mistake? He's a perfect boss. How many of you ever had a boss that would never ask you to do more than you could do? But our God says, I never put more on you than you can bear. What about this? That how many of you work for a boss that saw a lot more in you than you saw in yourself? God looks at you and says, there's a masterpiece. That's the reason he has great expectations. And let me go ahead and say this. If you can fulfill the, the goals that you have set for yourself in life by yourself, they're probably not big enough goals. Because we're limited. Have you ever served a God, a, a boss that did not just promise help? He provides it. And on top of that, have you ever worked for a boss that your retirement plan was out of this world? That's the kind of God we serve. That's the kind of God we serve. So I say, praise God. It's great to be a servant of God. What is the higher calling than to be a servant of God? And I can tell you, I was going to elaborate on that quite a bit more. Because it talks a lot about being God's servant. It talks about that we're debtor, both to the Greeks and the barbarian, the wise and the unwise. There's so many great things about being a servant to God. And I can't think of anything better than being a servant to God. I think we ought to rejoice over the fact that he gives us a privilege to be servants of the Most High God. He lets us sing in the choir. He allows us to fellowship with him. What can be greater than the calling of God? That's where I was going to go this week. But I found out something else when I asked the question, what is the greatest calling? Be the servant of God. Man, that's that's awesome, Gator, to be able to be God's servant. But what did God tell us in the book of John? Chapter 1, verse 11. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to be called the children of God. Who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, and because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. The law was all about servitude. The law was all about works. The law was given through Moses. But grace and truth came through 
Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. The Old Testament concept is they were his people, but were not his children. You don't see that in the Old Testament. The Jews were not called God's children. They were called his people. But when Jesus came, those that believed in him, he gave the power to become the sons of God. What a concept. What a calling that we have been called to be children of God. Romans chapter 8. Verse 12, so then brothers, we're debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of his body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Now, the best uh, definition that I can come up with with Abba, Father, is what you and I say is our daddy. God is our father. I know we call it the Lord's Prayer. Our Father which art in heaven. I hate to disagree with that, but it's not. That's Jesus. That's the disciples' prayer. I said the disciples' prayer. The children's prayer. Our Father which art in heaven. Jesus' prayer is in John chapter 17 when he's praying for the church. And he's saying that they may be one as we're one. When he's telling them that we would receive the Spirit of God as promised. But he says, we have received the adoption as Son by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, guess what? Then you're heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. The greatest calling is to be called the Son of God. Wow. How awesome is that? In the book of Ephesians chapter 1, verse 2. Grace to you and peace from God our Father, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Let me pause just a minute and make a comment about predestination. There's some people, and some people teach you that you're predestined to either be saved or lost, and there's nothing you can do about it. That's not what it means. God knows who's going to be saved, 
He knows who's going to become his children because he knows everything. But he said, whosoever will may come. Whosoever will may come. For as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. So it's an invitation, and that's the responsibility of the church to make sure that invitation is scattered throughout the world. That's the reason we give so much to missions. We don't care about those plaques. We don't care about the recognition. Oh, it's great to receive them. But the reality is for every dollar we send, somebody is getting to hear about Jesus Christ. Somebody is given the invitation to know that Jesus Christ came to this earth. While the, we're looking for the rapture of the church, we're looking for Jesus' second return. Much of the world has never heard that he came the first time. And we need to remedy that. So we give to missions because he's predestined us for adoption to him as sons. Through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of the will. Through the praise of his glorious grace for which he's blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. What did it say over there in John where it said that Moses was the law, but Jesus brought grace and truth, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance. Oh, glory. Having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. And him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So we've got an inheritance coming up. We've got an inheritance when we get to heaven. I thank God that we're sons of God now. I thank God that we can claim his blessings now. I thank God that we can honor him now. But there's no greater calling in this earth to know that we are the children of God. First John chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. See what kind of love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is they did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. In other words, we got some greater things in store for us. Whenever I teach in our Discover OAG class, when I talk about heaven, I have to bring it down to the simplest thing, and this is what I believe. You can dream and believe and imagine all you want to about heaven, and it's going to be better than that. It's going to be better than that because I have not seen nor ear heard nor entered the heart of man what God has prepared for us, for his children. So it's going to be better than that. He said, but we're children now. Beloved, we're God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. So what is the greatest calling? As I said in the beginning, the servant of God's pretty good. 
It's great to be called a servant of God. That's what Moses said, and he, he could have chosen anything. But for us, for us, it's to be known as a child of God. My first missions trip, I went, on, I went to Mexico. And coming back through Mexico, we stopped right at the border at Tijuana at an orphanage. Some of the cutest, beautiful children you could ever imagine. I think there was 100 or 150 of them, all of them younger. And I asked the guy, I said, could I get people to adopt these? He said, nope. I said, why not? He said, because Americans can't adopt them. I said, why not? He said, because in the past, people were taking those kids and basically selling them. You say, wait a minute, selling them? They were charging thousands and thousands of dollars to adopt those kids out. And so they shut it down. And I said, man, I could have emptied out that orphanage. I said, I could have emptied out that orphanage because I could have brought them home. And I could have found them somebody that said, I want them. Because they were all good looking. Wild, mild-mannered, great kids. They were in a Christian orphanage. But you know, if you go to a, another orphanage where they're a lot older and it's not God-oriented, you find a lot of kids nobody wants. You may feel like today that you're one of those kids nobody wants. But God says, I'll take you all. I'll take every one of you. And all you've got to do is receive me. And I will make you a son of God. Mm. A son of God. I know a lot of people around Wildwood. Christmas time, and if I was go down to the Wildwood stores, I would meet a lot of kids that I know. And if one of them came up to me and started pulling on my pants leg and said, Hey, Daddy, buy me some candy. You know, Jeff, I would probably buy him some candy. Not because he was my kid, but because I just wanted to help him. But if now some person that was not lovely or whatever, and he said, Hey, Daddy, you know the first thing I tell him? I'm not your daddy. I'm not responsible for you. You say, that's pretty rough, but that's, that's the truth. That's the truth. And, you know, there's a, a lot of people throughout the world, particularly here in America, that's praying to a daddy that's not their daddy. Mm. It's kind of hard, isn't it? You say, wait a minute, Pastor. We were born in America. That has nothing to do with it. I've been to church all my life. Doesn't have nothing to do with it. But as many as received him, to them gave you power to be called the Son of God. Amen. So this morning, as a believer, you need to be excited 
Because God not only lets you be a servant of God, but he lets you be a child of God. And that ought to excite you. But if you've never received Jesus, today's the opportunity. Because you have an opportunity to receive him. To as many as received him. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back and sing that same little chorus we sang a little bit earlier. Oh, how he loves you and me. Oh, how he loves you and me. If you're thankful that you're a child of God, I want you to be standing with me if you're able to stand. And let's just sing it and let's praise God and honor him. And if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you're not sure that he is your Savior and your Father, then you need to make your way to the altar and receive him today. Will somebody meet you here to pray with you? Well, let's worship the Lord together. I'm glad there's no greater calling to know that I'm a child of God. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together. On behalf of our pastor and staff here at OAG, we want to say thank you. Thank you for being a part of our ministry. We are grateful for you and the support you give our church and its ministries so that we can continue to do what God has called us to do, to be the family church for the family of God. For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God, check out our media website at oag.church/media.